This episode was brought to us by Paul Schneider. You may remember me talking about him as the father of Romulans, and, well, also the Q, if you want to think about it, because he wrote both Balance of Terror and The Squire of Gothos. And in both cases, he pushed out some good scripts. So, I mean, surely this is a good script too, right? Right? (laughs) Interesting idea. Send a transmission multiple times exactly the same way, with repeated intervals. Why? Because that means any alien race which doesn't know the pattern, or the frequency, or the format, or the language, or whatever else, can at least understand that there is a regular, repeated mathematical pattern that's being sent out, rather than something that could be considered background radiation or whatever. Just food for thought, and a cool little idea that you know, was a nice... The kind of idea that I kind of want to take forward into... Uh, you know, my own stuff for first contact methods, which I just realized I need to circle that just to make sure that I remember that. The second thing that's kind of cool, we have the Gossera mice. That's not the cool part. That's just the, hey, we have animation part. But then they have the halo fish. Now, the halo fish change color or lose color, excuse me. And there's any environmental change. They don't in this episode. Whatever. But more relevant to the point, what they do do is they change at any change. So, like, would it being put into, like, a different temperature count? Maybe if they added a little bit too much salt or saline or hydrogen or oxygen or whatever to the tank? Like, how, how slight are we talking here? Because if it's any change, then, well, that's just a neat little gimmick. But imagine for a moment that these fish react to things like radiation or relatively major changes to environment, things that would make them visually look different. And so it's like, huh, something's off, even if we don't notice it on our sensors. You see where I'm getting at? This could be kind of a parakeet in the mind sort of a situation. The fish detecting things that, you know, can give an early warning sign to something's up. A neat little idea that, to my knowledge, is never followed through on in anything ever. But, you know, whatever. Credit to the animators. I, I have very few notes about this episode, except on the animation side of things, really. There's, they, they went above and beyond. This is probably the most expensive episode I've seen so far, and might be the most expensive episode the whole season, with all the extra you know, drawings and scalings they had to do and the different poses. There's a lot of new frames in this one. And you can tell that a lot of work and effort went into thinking about how, who was going to interact with what. You know, Sulu falling off the thing, the super close-up of the the the, uh, the display panels, or Uhura barely reaching over her own console. She's standing on the very tippy toes at, at the edge of her seat, or them. And of course, one of the more infamous pictures is them three, you know, several full-grown men pulling ropes in order to, you know, in order to activate the transporter. Some cool visual stuff, and that is a good use of animation right there. Probably. I'd say the third good use of animation in the entire show so far, as opposed to just, we can use this tool, this is actually kind of neat. The plot itself... So, they're shrinking. Okay. No, it doesn't make sense. And the more you think about it, the less sense it makes. Breathing should become more and more of a problem for these people, first of all. Second of all, I'm not even going to talk about the way how they talk about the space between the atoms shrinking. Let's just walk away from that. We already talked about that in the Ant-Man rumination several years ago. We could also mention how they just kind of hand wave how they can do a lot of things. 
Like, use the turbo lift. For those of you who don't remember, the turbo lift is the grab the handle and then say where you're going kind of a thing. So, at one point they even mentioned they can't access the, you know, the eye that shows, hey, there's someone here and wants to get in, you know, to go through the automatic doors. They just kind of hand wave a lot of that away. And you know what? I'm willing to, as long as the plot is good. Come back to that. How, uh, how did Nurse Chapel trip so thoroughly? over to such an obvious thing in order to dip into the water. Further question. Did they record Major Barrett saying help twice and then just loop that over and over and over? Because, oh my god. I, I'm sure they didn't. But it certainly sounds like they did. And once again, we have the voice acting problem. With alarmed trepidation, I am currently drowning. Help. Help. Okay, I'm exaggerating slightly, <laughs> but not that much. Either way, they do the transporter scene. Very cool. And then they beam down, and beaming down turns you back to normal. Uh, uh, okay. So the transporter can just do that. Considering we've already used the transporter in this show to cure you know, aging, effectively, and we'll use that in TNG for the exact same purpose, okay, fine, whatever. The transporter has just cured death. Again, I think this is the third, fifth, eighth time that's happened now. Whatever, I'm willing to let it go. Remember, they also beam Picard back from being an energy cloud into the ship, too, while we're on the subject. But again, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. Whatever, it's magic. Confetti. Okay, sure. Why is the communicator so much smaller, comparatively speaking? Did they have? Did they start walking around with small comms? Is that... How did they get small comms? Do they just have tiny communicators lying around on the ship just in case? I mean, I know the Starfleet likes to be prepared in some cases. Secondary backup, etc., etc., but... Huh. Either way, he gets down to the planet, and naturally his tiny communicator almost immediately gets melted by lava. I'd make fun of that, but I've played Minecraft, and as anybody who's played Minecraft will tell you, sometimes lava's got a lava. Anywho, hmm... So Kirk uh, returns to normal size, and this leads to the paranoia section of the episode. And to credit, they actually do portray this properly. For the love of God, watch where you're walking, Captain. They repeatedly use the word one-sixteenth of an inch, which I decided to visually showcase for you, just to really get this across. Oh, this isn't one-sixteenth of an inch. This is six inches. Um, I can't actually properly show you one-sixteenth of an inch, because if I did... It would look like that. It would look like I just closed the thing, even though I didn't. So, to try and showcase this, just how ridiculously tiny this is. If you can even see my fingernail going from there to there, that is one sixteenth of an inch tall. <laughs> that's uh, whew. that's pretty impressive. And, of course, you know, it, I, I could see the paranoia of, like, oh, God, because you wouldn't even be able to see them normally as you're walking. You'd have to get really down, like, okay, is there anyone here? Is there anyone over here? Okay. And and they, it's not like they can communicate, or at least they shouldn't be able to, since they would be so tiny that they wouldn't hear anything. Just just a neat little scene there. <clears throat> so then the Terratins show up. Now, I want, to, I want this to be important. The Terratin communicate. They, they respond to a communication with the Enterprise. 
Now, they only respond to communication. They don't communicate. They don't say, hey, they respond to communication. Pay, pay that mind, okay? Then he says, and I quote, I forbid you to destroy us. That's a hell of a strategy. I'm not sure if that's ever worked for anyone, but you never know. Then he insists, I offer no apology for my... They always talk so weird. No apology for my actions. And, but I offer you an apology now. So meaningless statement. I get it. He's trying to emphasize how sorry he is. Okay. We had no choice but to use our weapon on you to communicate with you. After all, our communications were down. Wait, wait hold up. Back up, back up. So your communications are down. He, he says over the view screen to, to Kirk. All of this doesn't make sense. This is actually not a bad episode, but I'm probably going to put it on a high medium rather than a low high. Because the plot, the, 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 the necessary twist fails pretty hard for me. The Trek twist. You know what the Trek twist is. I've talked about the Trek twist for years. Because there are two, actually. But they're the same type of thing. I'm secretly benevolent. No, I'm actually evil. I'm a villain who's trying to destroy you. Nah, just kidding. I'm actually innocent. And th these are the Trek twists. And they do them constantly in Trek. And if you've been paying attention in the animated series, they have been doing that even more than normal. Like the, the ratio or the frequency or the percentage of TAS episodes that have used the Trek twist has been even higher than normal. I've actually made fun of it already going forward. So these people, they had to have the Trek twist. You know, the, the Lilliputin people. Okay. Or Lilliputin. Or however you're supposed to pronounce it. I forget. So uh, it hurts the episode. Okay, their comms are down, so they have to shrink us to get communication out. So first of all, that makes absolutely no sense. And it's never even explained how they communicate by shrinking people. Then we run into the other problem. They beam people down to their area. Okay. Now this can be explained away. Even though we've already demonstrated that transporters revert people to their normal spacing, it is possible that their transporters are so inferior or worse or whatever that they don't. So in that case, they would have to shrink people to beam them down to talk to them in person. Okay, that makes a degree of sense. Then they would call up to the Enterprise. You see the flaws here? The episode so desperately wants the Trek twist that it doesn't earn it, is my point. Instead, this could have been a natural phenomenon or a malicious attempt by someone to take them down as they go or just, just whatever. It could have been just a monster of the week, for God's sakes. It might not have been as interesting, but at least it would have the cool visuals and the plot wouldn't be bad to the point where I'm digging the episode for it. Uhura even flat out says the only way they could contact us is by shrinking us, which again, they don't actually explain. Then they have a really weird moment, which is like a dun-dun-dun, and it's treated that. They even have the musical cue, dun-dun-dun. Will Kirk save us, or will we prepare for death? What? And then Kirk's like, prepare to leave orbit immediately. Target the planet with phasers. And then beam them up. Where does that come from and why? Why even have that fake suspense of will Kirk wipe out a planet, a, a, a city of people? And then, just to further compound it, there's this bit where he says, is this new planet we're going to as beautiful as I've been told? Which implies that he's already been told of the new planet they're being relocated to. Which, once again, iterates the idea that they are in no danger. So why the sudden will-he-save-them-won't-he-save-them moment? Weird, weird episode. Probably the most visually interesting one. Absolutely. And I will give it you know, splendid marks on that. This is probably the first time 
really that the animation has been done to good effect. Oh, they've been a couple of night moments before, the non-humanoids in the ship. I already mentioned both of those. But here we actually see the animation being used to good effect across the whole episode, and that's awesome, and I wanted to give that credit where credit is due. Next week, I have no idea what's next week. I know we're a little bit out of order because I'm doing them in the order of the episodes as I purchased them because on CBS All Access because it was the only way to get all these freaking episodes, by the way. That irritated the crap out of me. So I, I can actually watch Picard right now, technically, because I have CBS All Access. Not gonna. I got animated shows to go through. But I do hope you've enjoyed my thoughts. I'll see you next time. Uh...